This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show and today I'm joined with Janine Samuels who's a former NBA cheerleader for the Washington Wizards. She's the president of Sideline Prep and she's also the endgame host for the Washington Commanders. So we've got a lot of background in cheerleading and I would love to know a lot about the behind the scenes. So Janine, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Most definitely, thanks for having me. So let's get into the things that people get wrong. I would really like to know what people get wrong about the cheerleading space, being someone that's been at the the elite of the game currently in over in America. It's something that glitz and glamour all over the place, per se. And I would love to know what it's really like. What do people get wrong, firstly? Uh, I would say people get wrong or maybe underestimate the athleticism and the skill that is required to become a professional cheerleader. And even before you become a professional cheerleader, say for the NFL or the NBA, let's let's take it back even to uh, college, high school, middle school. There's a lot of athleticism. You have to be fit. You have to be strong um, mentally and physically. It took a long time in general for everyone to recognize cheerleading as an Olympic sport, but finally we do have that recognition, but it is a lot of work. I remember being in college at the University of Richmond. I was part of a co-ed stunt team. And at the end of every season, we would invite the football players to come and stunt with us. And the seniors, of course, that weren't coming back, the, the ones that were graduating, And they were amazed at how hard it was to throw us up and to catch our feet and to put us in the air. And they respected the men cheerleaders so much more after that experience and the females for being able to stay in the air, even when the base underneath of them is very wobbly. So there's a lot that goes into it. And then you go to the professional level and you still have that athleticism, the skills, um, you know, you have to treat your body the right way. So nutrition and fitness, all of that is so important. And you have to have the confidence to go out for these auditions. So there's a lot behind the scenes that people don't understand. And on top of that, the majority of professional cheerleaders, if not, you know, all of them are either full-time students or moms or have full-time jobs. So this is a career on top of a career that we already have. It made me think actually that it can be hard to do anything full-time at that level if let's say... You have to build a lifestyle around something, but you're only really switched on for the individual performance. It's almost like a freelance kind of thing where you work at your craft, you spend hours working on yourself for that individual performance. And then that's kind of what you'd be paid for or compensated for, whatever the case is. Is that how it is? Like you've got to keep yourself in shape and fit and healthy and active and confident but you're not really compensated for that. Well, it depends. So I have to say the NFL, the NBA, and a lot of you know professional sports teams and even semi-professional teams are now recognizing us as entertainers and a part of the game day experience. So when I first you know started as a professional cheerleader, it was a nonprofit extension of the NFL organization. So for those that first year, I did not get paid. It was volunteer. 
But now the majority of um, dancers are getting paid. They get paid for practices, for games, for any time spent, you know, at the facility at game day. Now, all of the other stuff as far as us, you know, our workouts and things like that, we should be doing those things anyway. It's a part of a lifestyle. You should be treating your body like the temple that it is. You should be fueling it with the right foods, water, you know, vitamins, getting enough sleep, you know, getting in your workouts, all of that stuff we kind of do as part of our lifestyle. But now, yes, we are compensating. So we put in the work, we're practicing, uh, we're there, you know, after hours, making sure that we have the routines right, and that we put out a very, you know, solid product on the field or on the court, and we are compensated. What kind of things did it take to be recognized in this way, given that you could start it when you're a child dancing at home kind of thing, and you got dreams of seeing you guys on TV throwing each other around, and you build up this picture of, I want to do that, I want to be like you, essentially. And it can be so hard to go from that to, okay, it's now a profession, like you've got to take it seriously, and then when you're growing up doing it, you've got the enjoyment. So what did it take to go from hobby kind of do it for fun to then be recognized as a profession and as a job or a career well first it's just the knowledge that it is possible so what we found with sideline prep is unfortunately a lot of women think it's out of their reach out of their grasp they think that once they graduate from college that unless they're going to broadway or really utilizing dance in a professional means in that manner that there's nothing there are no options for them so once right. they realize one that there is a professional level as it relates to athletics where they can dance and even some teams now have co-ed cheerleading, you know, portions of their programs, entertainment portions as well, that that knowledge is like, oh, okay, well, there's something, there is a next level for me. So that's number one. And then number two, it's, oh, well, I don't think that I could ever make an NFL dance team or an NBA dance team. So it's that lack of confidence. But then you find a company like Sideline Prep, where we've been there, we've done it, and we have a proven framework and system to help others become professional cheerleaders. So you may not have that confidence, that skill set, the knowledge, all of the technical skills. You may not have all of the things that you need to make a team at that moment, but now you have a coach. And you have a trusted group of people that um, are invested in you that want to help you go pro. So coupling those two things, just realizing that there is a next level for you and then that there is help to get you prepared and get you to the next level so that you can make that team. I think those two things kind of make that dream of, oh, my God, they're so amazing. They're a celebrity, a reality like, oh, wow, I could actually be that and do that. Do you have a way of painting a picture of people that may not know the jumps that it might take from one level to the next? Now, like lifestyle, diet, exercise, I imagine that's just increasing the amount, frequency, the specificity of it as you go higher. What about things like performing and I actually interviewed someone that's into gymnastics. She competes at a national level, and she said that a lot of the time you get your level of commitment to the movements. If you lack in confidence, you don't give your all to it, you get the results of not giving your all to it, if that makes sense. I imagine that being similar, but then you've got the pressure, you've got the crowd, you've got fans, you'll probably have sponsors. What does it take to go 
all the way. And if you could paint a bit of a picture and maybe say, okay, compared to when I was at college, this is how different it is. Most definitely. So that's a wonderful question. So compared to when I was in college, I did co-ed stunting. So it was completely different. And for the NFL, especially, a lot of the teams are called cheerleaders. And there's been a bit of a transition now. So now we do have entertainment teams. A lot of NBA um, teams are called dancers. But at the end of the day, most NFL cheerleaders are not the rah-rah motion, throw you up in the air, catch your feet type of performers. They are dancers. So that was the biggest leap and the biggest thing that some people don't really understand is that, you know, at the collegiate level, if you are a cheerleader, it's a completely different skill set than being a dancer at the pro level. Now, dancers in college have it a little bit easier because they already have the dance technique um, that they need to make a pro level team. So the big thing is coming in and kind of realizing and assessing, okay, this is where I am now. This is where I need to be. What What's the gap? And so sometimes for most of our clients, for example, it is um, the dance technical skill. So the pirouettes, the leaps, the calypsos, the flexibility with the high kicks um, are technically trained dancers that work with us. They don't have the sharp precision that the cheerleader, um, the cheerleader dancers have. So they have to work on being sharp and precise. And then when you think about not to say, because there are some huge colleges out there, but to compare your experience as a college cheerleader or dancer to an NFL arena or stadium or an NBA arena, you have to dance upward. You have to project upward because you're dancing not just for people on the 100 level, but you're dancing for people on the 400 level as well. Oh, yeah. So your showmanship and everything about what you're doing has to truly come across in your movements as being big, strong, and powerful. And that's like the biggest adjustment that I had is I'm not just focusing on the people in front of me. I really have to dance for, for everybody. So I would say like, that's the biggest thing. And then also it really is, you have to be the full package at the pro level and more so than at other levels. So you have to bring your skill set, but then also bring your appearance as far as your physical appearance, how you carry yourself, your speaking ability, your interview skills, your profession. All of that is important because now you are an ambassador for the team. You are interacting with fans. You are an extension of the professional athletes. So there's so much to think about when you are presenting your package to the judge because you want them to see you as an ambassador, not just as a dancer for the team, not just as an entertainer, but what can you bring to the community? Um, you want the little girls and the little boys to look up to you as well. And so there's so much that goes into the audition and the application process at the professional level. Definitely a fascinating insight there when you mentioned that you're performing for the entire stadium that makes me think the crowd must play a massive part in your performance because your job is to entertain them to amp them up in a way get them motivated and really really excited for the game does that change things like the techniques does it change the the kinds of routines do certain moves cause that reaction more than others i imagine you have some insight into the the actual routines themselves 
Most definitely. So what you'll find normally is at the NFL level, because it is grand, big, big lights, right? Friday night football, Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, huge. So in that environment, you're going to see palms a lot more. You're going to see big movements that project forward and upward. And because you're dancing on a football field, there's going to be less technical execution of skills. Now, at the NBA level, it's a smaller arena. You're on a basketball court. So you're going to see more hip hop. You're going to see more short, um, choppy movements that aren't as large and big because people in the 400 level can actually see what you're doing and you don't look like you're it, it, the visual of it is still transferable in an NBA arena versus in a big stadium. So for NBA, normally the technical skills that are required are a level higher than for an NFL dancer. So you are going to be executing a lot more tricks, a lot more technical skills on a, a court than you would on the field. And that also means that you can have a, a bit more flexibility with the type of dance that you're doing, as well as your costume changes, your shoes, all of that stuff you have more flexibility with the NBA. I'd be really keen to hear what kind of exercises that you would do to be able to perform them. And I'll sort of refer to the, the gymnast again, as a lot of the things that she did had to be that easy for her, that she had to be able to smile, project confidence, not show any sign of difficulty really whatsoever because you're essentially performing but then you've got to exude this confidence and happiness and emotion about what it is that you're doing is cheerleading the same which makes me think your training measurements must be so hard to be able to do what you do without strain per se yeah i mean most definitely and here's the thing with um i feel like with anything that you kind of step out that's new and different they're going to be new and different things that you're going to have to learn and that you're going to have to master as a result of it. And so that's almost the case with anything, not just, you know, with cheerleading, with professional cheer, let's say you want to be a chef, you want to be a pilot, like whatever it is. So whatever it is that you are venturing into, you have to understand, this is one thing that we tell our clients all the time is that, yes, you feel uncomfortable right now. Yes, you're scared to do this. Yes, you have fear. Yes, you keep putting it off because you don't think you're good enough. But that is because you don't have the repetition. You don't. You haven't been doing it long enough to feel confident doing it. So the more that you put yourself out there and the more that you practice, the more that you try things, the more that you put yourself in uncomfortable situations and get out of your comfort zone, the more you will become comfortable with those things. And so that's with anything really in life in general. And the more you do it, then your skills, your knowledge, your competency, all of that will start to increase and improve. And then before you know it, you have the confidence to do the things that you once didn't have confidence to do. Did you ever pretend to be confident even though you were afraid and scared to do it? Talk to us a bit about your experience doing something like that because some people might think oh she's amazing confident she just smiles all the time <laughs> and yet when you're performing it you might start telling yourself like smile smile okay smile you'll be, you've got this you can do this you can manage this when deep down you don't know you feel your knees shaking the entire time when you're doing it 
Yes. Fake it till you make it, right? That's what you have to do. And if you're not putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation at least once a week, then you're not growing. You're not pushing yourself. You're not leveling up. If you're staying comfortable and if you don't have those thoughts of nervousness, then you're truly not living your best life. Because in order to get to the things and accomplish things that you've never accomplished before, you've got to do things that you've never done before. And in, yeah. when you do those things, you are going to have those doubts. You are going to be scared you are going to have the nervousness. So what I do is I literally fake my thoughts. So instead of me, like my heart starts racing, I'm sweating because I'm nervous about something. Okay. Well, there's two meanings that I could give that. One meaning is I'm nervous. Oh my gosh, what's getting ready to happen? I'm not good enough. What am I going to do? The other meaning is, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for this opportunity. I know that I don't, you know, I'm not at 110%, but I'm feeling really good and I'm going to knock it out of the park. So you shift your mind because now the feelings that you have physically, you have renamed them and giving them a different meaning. Okay. The other thing, take a deep breath, you know, inhale, four seconds, hold it, exhale four seconds. Do that a couple of times to let your heart rate just slow down and just calm down so that you don't have that nervous energy. And then affirmations. I am amazing. I am capable. I am wonderful. I've got this. I'm going to rock this out. Tell yourself this because the more you tell yourself that, then you'll start to believe it and you're going to start to feel better. But you have to push yourself every single day to do something that you normally wouldn't do, because the more you do that, like I said before, the more comfortable you're going to become. And then, you know, pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone is going to become the norm instead of the exception. And then that's when you're able to accomplish great things. Taking it back to kind of behind the TV, what would your typical day look like have you got routines you mentioned affirmations and things like that do you do them every day what would your typical day look like and you you can include things like diet or work working out that that sort of thing so typical day what kind of things would you get up to so typical day of a professional cheerleader and these are the same things that we you know Um, tell our clients to do as they're preparing. So even as potentials before they become professional cheerleaders, these are the same practices. And these are the same practices that I use every single day. Now that I'm a coach, an anchor for a television station, in-game host for the commanders, these are the same exact practices. So your morning routine is critical. Your morning routine is so important because how you start your day is going to determine how you feel for the rest of the day. So if you own your mornings, you own your day. If you own your day, then you're going to own your weeks, your months, your years, so on and so forth. So it's super important that you have a morning routine that is going to set you up for success and get you going. So I go by the lifesavers. So this is how... Um, Hal Elrod, it's he has a book. It's you know I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's basically about becoming a morning person. <laughs> and so with the lifesavers, <laughs> savers S is silence, so meditation. A is your affirmations. V visualizations. E exercise some sort of movement. R is reading, and S is scribing or journaling. So it's not to say you have to do all of these every single morning. Sometimes I, I do the majority of them in the morning, and I save some of them for the evening. But you want to start your day off for yourself. 
You don't want to be a situation where you're sitting there snoozing, snoozing, snoozing. You wake up, you're, oh my God, I'm late. You're rushing to get out of the door. And then before you know it, your day is someone else's day, right? So when that alarm goes off, get up with intention. Don't snooze, (laughs) get up with intention and start your day for yourself. I most definitely recommend exercising and getting that workout in first thing in the morning. That's something, a non-negotiable for me. Then you're going to want to make sure for professional cheerleaders and anyone, three meals and two small snacks a day. So we know that if you, first of all, work out first thing in the morning, your metabolism is going to be working at a higher rate, faster rate earlier in the day, which will help you burn off calories and energy throughout the day. Having breakfast is the most important meal. I know it's a cliche, but it is true. Having breakfast, again, helps your metabolism get started first thing in the morning. So a balanced meal, making sure every two to three hours you're eating. So a small meal, two to three hours later, snack. Then you've got lunch, two to three um, hours later, another snack, and then dinner. You also want to make sure we tell our, like I always have my water bottle in tow. You want to drink at least half of your body weight in water every single day. So throughout the entire day, you should be drinking water. You want to get your vitamins in first thing in the morning. So all of these things, right? Most professional cheerleaders have a full-time job. So they're going to go to work. They're going to have their snack. They're going to eat. They're going to do all the things that they need to do for work. And then they're going to leave and go to practice. So we will have practices in the evening. Sometimes you might have an appearance or a charity event that you're going to in the evening. It really just depends. Or it could be um, Thursday night football. <laughs> you're, you're going to a Thursday night game or, you know, for the NBA, you've got 40 some games in a season. So you could have a game on a Monday night, a Wednesday and a Sunday. So you could be going to a game. So in the evenings, it's normally when you're at practices or you're at your games. And then after your practices, you're making sure that you're stretching to, you know, remain, get that flexibility. And then you're going home, possibly eating a small snack and you have your evening routine. So your evening routine set yourself up for the next day. So normally in the evenings, what I recommend is journaling, thinking about and writing down what worked well that day, what you need to improve upon, what you could do better and what you rocked out that day. And then also setting up what you need to be focused on for the next day. So what are some of the things that you wanna make sure that you do the next day to set yourself up for success? So making sure that you journal that. A lot of times I'll meditate in the evening as well to get my body centered and kind of calm down for you know the evening as well. And then you try to get your seven to eight hours of rest every single night. And then you start your day all over again. And so again, I mentioned it earlier, but as a professional cheerleader, it's almost like you have two full-time jobs because you're working a job or you're going to college, whatever it is, and that's a full-time position. And then in the evenings or on game days, you're at games, you're also doing that. When you don't have games or practices, you're at the gym or you're work getting in an, another workout or you're at charity events or you're going on tour. Like the one of the things I love the most about being a professional cheerleader was going overseas and supporting our our military men and women. So there's just so much that we do that people don't even <laughs> they can't even begin to realize all of the many hats that we wear and the balls that we're constantly juggling. It sounds like <clears throat> one heck of a full-time job as well like the amount of organization that you would need the amount of discipline that you would need just to be able to get from waking up to sleeping while still having a handle on the wheel harder with let's say you've got a family maybe you've got pets you've got people that other people or animals that depend on you and you still have to do all those things as well it makes me think 
is it too structured what do you say to someone that might be a bit like it's a bit too rigid it's a bit too structured it's so hard to set up my day that way how many good days do you actually have versus bad days do you still do it even if you're having a bad day how do you explain to someone how valuable it is why it needs to be that way and then part two I guess it'd be how do you cope when you have bad days Wonderful. So there's a quote out there that says, if you, you know, love what you're doing, you'll never work a day in your life. Right. And so the majority of people that are in this profession, they love entertaining. They love dancing. They love interacting with fans. They love being a part of the game day experience. It's what gets them out of bed. So when you love what you do, you will figure out a way to make it work. Most definitely, you need to have an environment that is supportive of that. So, you know, family, friends, you know, that will help you when there's a conflict in schedule. And the wonderful thing is a lot of people that are in this industry are the warm and fuzzy, kind hearted people, and they have a very wonderful, supportive environment. So we make it work and we figure it out. You do have to communicate with your boss to make sure that they understand and know and are supportive of the situation. So there needs to be that open dialogue because if you need to leave early from work to go to practice or on a game day, then they support that and it doesn't inhibit your professional growth because that's important. A lot of us are businesswomen. I'm an entrepreneur. And even when I was a cheerleader for the NBA, I had my own business. So we've got to still move that portion of our life forward as well while enjoying the fun part of being a professional cheerleader. So I would say that that would be the first thing. And then, you know, when you really think about um, bad days, when you're having a bad day, you sometimes need a cheerleader for yourself, right? And so we are so busy being cheerleaders for everybody else that every now and then we need some for ourselves. Yeah. So going to practice and being around my teammates literally changed my mood, turned a bad day into a good one, a rainy day into a sunny one, a frown into a smile because that was my crew. That those women were my support system. And anytime I was having a bad day, as soon as I walked into that stadium, as soon as I walked into the studio, the worries I left behind, the, the worries were in the parking lot. And so it was amazing how you could have a bad day at work or just a bad day in general. And as soon as you get around your teammates, everything is okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes me wonder how you're able to be present when you're there when you've come from madness in a way and then when you finish you then re-enter the madness or mess that has been left because you've been cheerleading or dancing or working or whatever the case is is that something that you've had to develop your ability to let things go and focus on the present moment then re-enter it again so to speak is that something that you've had to work at is that something you've ever had to struggle with and try to help someone else that's probably struggling with the madness of life and trying to keep everything together most definitely. And it is a skill and it's, it's a muscle that has to be worked, right? It's, it's something that you have to put effort into because think about it, nothing in life has any meaning other than the meaning that you give it. So when something quote unquote bad happens, how are you looking at that situation? 
Are you giving it negative meaning or can you find a positive from that negative circumstance or that negative situation, right? So you really have to sit back and say, okay, this has happened to me. It's now in the past. So one, how am I going to learn from it? What good can I take from it? And number three, it's in the past. I can't change it. So why am I going to give it any more of my energy? Why am I going to waste any more energy on that negative situation? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So those are some coping mechanisms. Also that morning routine. So when life isn't working out for you, that morning routine will help ground you and working out journaling, all of that working out in and of itself gives you endorphins, which gives you energy and it just makes you happier. Right. So working out truly, truly helps you become a happier person. So that in and of itself is extremely, extremely important. And then also just having a support system around you that can help guide and lead you and help get you out of those bad situations. You know, I lost my dad last year unexpectedly. It was literally the worst thing that has ever happened to me. And it, it shut me down. It knocked me down for quite some time. But what I realized was all of the tools and all of the techniques and all of the advice that I gave my clients, I forgot because I was so depressed and so upset. And once I started to lean on my friends, get support, talk to a therapist, once I started to do the things that I tell all of my clients to do, I slowly started to pick myself up. And I also remembered that my dad would not want me upset, crying down and out like that. Nobody, none of your loved ones want you sad and depressed. So you've got to figure out a way to sometimes just find strength within yourself based on the advice that you've been given, based on your tribe that's around you. And when you're having trouble doing it yourself, you call on your tribe and you get help. One of the things I know that you're also passionate about is the effects of your profession on the younger generation. Now, I have a background in martial arts myself, in case you didn't know, and it's helped me in a lot of ways so far beyond learning how to strike or throw or or break wood with whatever it happens to be. All the things that you do when you do martial arts, it starts from quite calm and then can get to crazy in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> and it, it made me more disciplined. It made me more trusting of myself from a, I'll do what I say I'm going to do kind of way. Like if I say I'm going to do something, generally speaking, I'll do it. Or if something happens, it's out of my control. I am pretty good. Although I have to work on it some days, I can be pretty good at letting that thing go in the case of I do my best. And if something happens, then something happens. There's only so much I can do. That's kind of where my mindset is at with a lot of things these days. And I do credit martial arts to that if people tend to ask. What are some of the benefits that you've seen from the younger generation that adopt similar lifestyle choices to yourself? They want to be a cheerleader. They want to be a dancer. They picture themselves on the big stages, at the big events, at the Super Bowl, let's say. What effect does it have on children and kids? So I would say confidence for sure. It takes a lot. Think about it. It takes a lot to put yourself out there in front of however many people, even if it's just five people, right? Put yourself out there to show a skill that you're proud of 
And what if you mess up? What if you fall? What if you forget the routine? What if you forget to smile? What if you're still dancing and everyone else is off the stage because you forgot that at that point you were supposed to exit because right before practice, we changed it, but you've been memorizing this other part of the routine and you're doing it by yourself, but everyone else is gone. So it takes a strong person from the inside out to be a performer, to be an entertainer, because you have to be okay with failing and messing up in front of other people. And you have to be able to brush it off and keep going and literally keep smiling. <laughs> like Because when you are on the field and you mess up, you can't let everyone know you mess up. You just have to keep going. You got to pick yourself up. You got to keep smiling and you got to get back in. You got to jump back yeah. in life, right? And it's a amazing metaphor for how you have to be in life. So you take these skills that you learn as a performer and you have to, you use those same skills in everyday life. When life knocks you down, you have to pick yourself back up, smile, brush it off and keep moving forward, right? And if you get it wrong, that's okay. Because the only way you'll be able to get it right sometimes is if you get it wrong. So there's so many life lessons in being a cheerleader, being a dancer at a young age that you end up taking on with you throughout the rest of your life. And one thing that in addition to military tours that I absolutely love about being a professional cheerleader is being able to talk to and encourage young girls um, about, you know, dreaming big and not allowing society or their parents or their teachers to tell them what they're not good at. For them to know that and believe and have faith in themselves that they can do and be anything and anybody that they want to be. And it takes sometimes mentors and it takes people outside of the home to instill that type of confidence in young girls and young boys. But dancing and cheerleading is in any sport is a great way to instill that type of confidence. What advice would you have outside of confidence for a young guy or, or girl that wants to to get into your sport, if you have any advice for them, what would you tell them? I would say not to allow their fear or their doubt or their uncertainty to stop them from doing what it is that they love. So if they want to become a professional cheerleader, don't ignore that desire in their heart, right? The desire was put there for a reason. The universe, the stars, God, whatever it is that you believe in, put that desire in your heart for a reason. And I'm a firm believer that destiny doesn't knock, it whispers at first. And so sometimes we ignore the whispers because we're like, oh, well, no, there's no way I could do that. There's no way that I could accomplish that. And then a couple of years go by and you're still in the same exact spot. So if this is something that you want to do, go for it and do it and then do it. Don't don't like half ASS it, go in and go hard. So make sure that you understand where it is that you need to go and what you're lacking. So work on your craft. You know, we are basically auditioning or applying for a job as an entertainer, as a dancer, as a stunter, as, you know, whatever it is, whatever type of entertainment crew you're trying to go after. If it's a hip hop team, get in hip hop classes. You know, if you know that you're going to need a double pirouette and leaps and a leap in second, fuete turns, work on your craft, right? We would never get on an airplane with a pilot that has only flown one flight. 
no way. Like we wouldn't do that. So you need to make sure that you're constantly working on your dance craft, working on your showmanship, your performance, all of that so that you can feel more confident going into that audition. I have to know whether you've actually failed something live. I'm aware the answer is probably no, but have you ever had to pull something off or make out that you didn't fail when when you did have you got a story like that um yes I do actually (laughs) I had to think about this in (laughs) high school and it was a traumatizing experience so my sophomore year so in high school middle school and high school I ran track so in high school I ran cross country indoor track and outdoor track total tomboy the fact that I have on lashes and you know my hair is all done and all of this stuff not what anyone ever thought (laughs) trust and believe Tomboy at heart. I played, you know, football with the guys outside in the backyard. Long story short, sophomore year, a friend of mine, we were indoor track practice. She wanted to audition for the cheerleaders and she didn't want to go by herself. She asked me if I would go. I said, sure. I made the cheerleading team. She didn't, unfortunately. But that's when I was introduced to cheerleading and I absolutely loved it. And because I was a track and field runner, I had powerful legs. So my jumps and my leaps and my kicks, everything just exceptional. Junior year in high school, I didn't make it back on the team. I got cut. (laughs) And high school is that time period where everything matters and matters in a big, big way. And I literally thought the end of the world was coming. And I remember going home and laying in my bedroom, crying and my mom coming in to try to console me. And it just, it was hard. It was a hard time to get that type of rejection at that age for something that I really, really loved doing. But instead I put my focus back in track and field. And one of my coaches, who was also the basketball coach for the um, basketball team, the, the varsity basketball team asked if I would be the scorekeeper. So then I was still able to travel with the team. Now I wasn't cheerleading, but I was still traveling with the teams. I was the scorekeeper because he knew how upset I was. And that meant the world to me because I was still a part of the game, but just in a different way. And then that year, my mom and dad took me to gymnastics um, practices and I started to learn how to tumble and I started to work on my motions and just become a better cheerleader so that then my senior year, I tried out and I made it. Right. But unfortunately, what a lot of people do is they hear no that first time and then they'll give up and then they'll never try again. No does not mean never. It just means not right now. So imagine if I would not have auditioned my senior year, I would have never gone on to become a cheerleader for the University of Richmond. I would have never been a Redskinette, a first lady of football for you know the Washington Commanders. I would have never become a dancer for the Wizards, for the NBA. I would have never been the in-game host for the Wizards and then the, the Brigade and now the Commanders. Like none of that would have happened probably had I not tried out my senior year after being cut my junior year. Have you ever managed to connect or reconnect with that coach again that encouraged you and gave you something else to give you the the motivation to keep going I should do that coach Jenkins I will never forget him like literally (laughs) 
never forget him. And I need to find out where he is. You're absolutely right. I need to connect with him <laughs> and tell him thank you. <laughs> and then of course, you know, shout out to my parents too, because, you know, they, you know, my dad, he's, you know, a track and field coach. And he would always tell my sisters and I to keep pumping your arms, like keep pumping your arms. And this was on the track and off the track, right? In life, you have to keep going. You have to keep pumping your arms because if, when you stop, then that's it. You've already, you've already rejected yourself. You've already decided that you're a loser. You've already decided that you're not going to cross the finish line. Why would you take yourself out of the running? You should never take yourself out of the game. Let's talk Washington Wizards then, because things have become a bit of a full circle moment for you, having cheered for them, danced for them, and then you're the host of one of their shows and things. How did you get involved with them? Was it like a, you know, someone that is connected to them? Did you have to apply? How did you even get started in that? Yeah, so... Basically, once I finished with the Commanders, which was formerly the Redskins, I thought I was done dancing and then decided, okay, maybe I'm not. That's when I founded and started Sideline Prep and helping other young women become professional cheerleaders. I realized I still missed it. So I auditioned for <laughs> the Wizards and became a member of the Wizards team. Well, our game ops person was looking for an in-game host for the Mystics, which was the WNBA team. So she told all of the cheerleaders, you know, hey, this position is open if anyone wants to apply. Long story short, I auditioned for the position as the in-game host for the Mystics, ended up getting it. So I was cheering for the Wizards during the NBA season. And in the summer, I was the in-game host for the WNBA. Well, Lo and behold, year three for me as a dancer, the host for the Wizards had to miss a game and they asked me to step in. And I was like, sure, no problem. So I had on my cheerleading uniform and everything. It was in the stands <laughs> with the fans as the in-game host. And then I would go down on the court and dance with my teammates. It, it was like wow. the most exhilarating experience that I'd ever had. And it was just amazing. So then I ended up, they asked me if I wanted to be the full-time in-game host. And I ended up, you know, deciding I was going to retire, put down my pom-poms to be the in-game host full-time for the NBA and loved it. You know, and I was still there in the action, saw a lot of my clients on the sidelines dancing, all of my former teammates still there as well. And that just parlayed into so many other opportunities, you know, being the in-game host then for the AFL with the Baltimore Brigade. I did that for a couple of seasons. And now fast forward, I'm the in-game host for the Washington Spirit, which is women's soccer. And I'm the in-game host for the NFL, the Commanders, where it all started, where I was, you know, got my first season as a professional cheerleader in the NFL. And so it's it literally is a dream come true to be able to go back to FedEx Field, where it all started for me as a on the professional level, and now being on the big jumbotron, but in a different way, not just as a performer, but now as a true part of the game day experience as the in-game host i know you've definitely earned your stripes as a cheerleader and things like that but would you say you missed it most definitely 
<laughs> I do. And if if my knees weren't so bad from track and field and stunting the guys throwing me around, I wouldn't mind giving it another go. Um, I do miss it. I miss performing. I miss, you know, big lights, the fans, the you know, feeding off of the fans. I miss the military tours, going overseas for our troops, all of that. But I still get, you know, even the autograph signings with little kids. I miss a lot of that. But I still do get a lot of that by being the in-game host. But I'm not, you know, dance. I'm like having fun and grooving on the sidelines, but I'm not truly dancing um, as part of the team. And, but that's like, one uh, reason. Yeah, it's almost like you're dancing in your chair while the people are performing <laughs> on the field. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And sometimes like while I'm waiting for a hit, you know, so that I introduce the dancers, the entertainment team. And then right after them, I have to introduce the marching band. I am literally dancing as I'm waiting for them to finish up. So, you know, I still get my little dance moves in and people have caught me on TV jumping around on the sidelines. And they're like, you, you literally cannot take the cheerleader out of you. I'm like, nope, you can't. <laughs> How often do you do it off camera? Like if, you know, do you dance in the, the bathroom in between? Do you, do you sort of <laughs> dance down the hallway on the way to the studio? Yeah, I feel like in all honesty, I'm the type of person that's always dancing, right? So you you caught on to it and we've only known each other for a little bit. You mentioned that I'm always smiling and I really am. That's just the energy that I have. That's the um that's just who I want to be and that's who I've become. Is someone that literally dances on the inside all the time. And even when something bad happens, you know, I allow myself to grieve, I allow myself to be upset, but I allow myself to do that for a couple of minutes, 5 minutes or however long I need, but then you have to realize that life is too short and you can't change it. You can't change what just happened. All you can do is focus on the here and now. And why not be happy and be love in the here and now? Like, why not? Like, why why not be at peace? Why be mad and angry and give other people that energy? It's, it's just not, it's not productive. So just in general, I dance through life all the time. <laughs> what do you do to switch off then? Like, you're the kind of person that jumps in their favorite onesie with a box of popcorn watching the, the Friday movie what do you do to switch off so I do have trouble switching off and that is feedback that I have received um, that I am the energizer bunny and I'm go 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 all the time and that is true but when I do have downtime because a lot of if you don't give yourself downtime and that's why the morning routine is so important for me and that evening routine because it does give me some me time and it gives me some downtime but if you don't do that your body will force you to do it so i try to make sure that i find time to relax so for me for my downtime it's normally spending time with my family i absolutely you know i have amazing three nieces, two nephews. I have six godchildren. So being with my family is, brings me joy and is my, like, I don't know, just gives, puts me at peace. So that's one thing. If I'm not able to get to them, then I do like watching, you know, movies. I love popcorn. It's crazy that you mentioned that. Um, <laughs> yeah. My homestyle popcorn is still uh, healthy. So I'll eat popcorn. Um, I also, I love to work out. So even though that's not, I'm still moving and that's, you know, not really downtime that gives me life. And that gives, that helps to rejuvenate and helps me to recover. So I do enjoy that. And I love to travel. So anytime, if there's sun outside a beach or a pool, I'm there. Like that's my happy place is being somewhere tropical or outdoors at a pool. I love doing that. And I like sporting events. So I do, even though it's my job, I genuinely 
love watching football. So I love going to sporting events as well. And then dining out too. That's a good, that's something nice to be able to hit up new restaurants and things like that. So I did wonder if you would actually watch games on your downtime, even when you'd been there cheering, you'd been there for work, reporting, all those kinds of things. It's interesting that you would still watch it to switch off as a enjoyment thing, you know, to kind of zone out and and get away from things for a bit. Yeah, I do. It's a form of entertainment. I do enjoy, I, you know, again, tomboy at heart. So I watched football, basketball, and boxing with my dad. We all did growing up. So those are the three main sports that I watch on TV. I love Thursday night and Monday night football. So obviously on Sundays, because I'm normally working, I don't watch those games. But when they are away, I'm normally, you know, in front of a TV, seeing how they're doing, watching the games. Sometimes, in all honesty, it does give me a little bit of anxiety. So Sometimes I don't watch the commanders when they're away because I'm like, you know what? I have enough anxiety when I'm there and they're losing. I don't want to watch them lose. So we're going through a tough time right now, but we're going to get it together. Clap it up, clap it up. We're going to get it together. (laughs) Do you have like a a secret team that you support as well? Like you you go, I have to support Washington because I kind of work there. But secretly deep down, I also support this one over here as well. Well, I... Definitely am diehard Burgundy and goal. So that is my number one team. But I support any team that is playing either Dallas or the Giants. So <laughs> love it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's almost you know, like it if, if they win, it benefits us. So I have to support them because deep down I'm just trying to be in it for my for my home team. That's just <laughs> yeah. what I really, really want to happen. Exactly. So anyone that, that that can beat Dallas or the Giants, I'm I'm good with that. And then because we have so many young ladies now that are on NFL teams, um, a lot of times if it's two teams and I have a client on one, then I'll pull for that team. You know, so we have a lot of lovelies out there that are dancing, and so it's kind of nice to be able to pull for those teams because I'm pulling for them. Yeah, it makes sense. You've got quite a hectic way of of working as well like it's almost like the morning and evening routines like, I need that because when I'm switched on I can't really stop and I can't switch off and I can't do all of those things it's almost like you you engineer your day that way because it's hard for you to have any set block where you can do that Right. Well, and, you know, by design right now, it's a lot more hectic than it used to be. So right now I am a anchor primetime for a TV station. So I'm normally at work by 2.30 and I'm, I'm, I'm doing it all. Like I'm producing, I'm editing, I'm helping the reporters. Right. You know, sometimes I'm doing assignment editing. I'm creating and crafting the show. And then at five o'clock, I am, you know, <laughs> good evening. Welcome to Newswatch. I'm Janine Samuels. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. So. It is a very stressful time in my life right now because in the mornings, you know, I get up my morning routine and then I work on sideline prep and I, you know, cause I still have my business and that is a very, very important part of who I am. So I'm working on sideline prep in the morning and doing all of that. And then I go, you know, for the evening and I anchor the five, the six and the 11 PM. So after the 6 PM, sometimes I have meetings and conference calls for sideline prep, but a lot of times, you know, I go and I grab my dinner and I try to relax a little bit before I have to go in and produce for the 11 p.m. show. So what I have found just naturally, even before this, even when I was mainly just, you know, a consultant and working my sideline prep business, I am better when I'm busy. 
And I always say I would rather be busy than bored. And I am most productive when I am busy. I enjoy accomplishing things. I enjoy um, getting outside of my comfort zone. I enjoy getting to the next level. And in order to do that, you have to have some sort of productivity and some sort of system to help you manage all of the things. I do have to admit, like I mentioned earlier, I also have to practice a little bit more with the downtime and having more time for myself. Right now, it's hard though, because I work this, you know, primetime Monday through Friday, and then I have games on the weekend. So I'm traveling back to the DC area for games. And, you know, so it's a lot going on right now. <laughs> yeah, and you've got to be happy. there for, for clients as well. You've got to be the person that, that they can lean on as well if, if they need help. So I imagine you've had to learn a lot about how you work. I, I'm similar. Like I, I get bored easy. I'm probably undiagnosed ADHD in some kind of some kind of way. Um, but I, I tend to work better when I've got a lot going on as well because I don't like the up and down that comes with having the time off sometimes I can have a hard time dialing it back in again if I go too long being switched off so I work better when I'm up in the morning and then I get to it and then I don't stop until I go to sleep because if I have too many breaks or there's a too long of a delay in between doing things my energy starts to dip and then sometimes I go for a walk or I do a quick sort of workout but isn't it isn't really a workout it's just like a warm-up gotta re-warm myself up so that I can get back into it again and then to balance all of that out I also have to have days when I actually try to push myself so that I get fitter and then days when I'm just going through the motions to keep myself moving keep myself agile that sort of thing so it's very very intuitive but also you need to be dialed in to know what your intuition is telling you like if you don't know what your intensity level needs to be like you can fly off the handle thinking you know what you're doing and then you can injure yourself because you've gone you've gone too far so i imagine you need to understand yourself pretty well to be able to do the kind of things that you've been sharing with us today most definitely and what i what the thing that helps me manage it all is making sure that, it, first of all, like the me time, the morning and the evening routine, it's a non-negotiable for me, that workout. It's just, it's just a part of who I am, but also doing things that light you up, right? So making sure that throughout your day, there's something at least one time in your day that you're doing something that lights you up. Now, for me, what I do for a living lights me up. So the anchoring, the hosting, the calls, the coaching calls with my clients, the lives that I do, those things light me up. So every single day, I make sure that there's at least one of those things in my day. Because if you are doing something that you enjoy doing, when you finish it, you're going to have more energy. So that really helps me to be able to push through these long days because I make sure somewhere in there, I'm doing something that I absolutely love. And then also just connecting with your people, right? Connecting with the people that you care about, people that give you energy, people that promote you and help you and support you and help you level up. People that are going to bring up your average and not bring it down. There's a quote that says, you're the average of the five people that you're around the most. And so think about that really. You know, are the people that you're around helping to raise your average or are they bringing your average down? And so making sure just within my day that I'm reaching out to the people that are helping me to level up and that I'm also helping them level up in some way as well. 
I really think that that's important, but also you have to be proactive with it. I can't tell you how many times I've had to proactively go after particular people because of the effect that they have on myself. I have to say, right, I need to spend more time with this person. They might not want to at the moment, (laughs) but they will. They will want to. And I, I will make it a conscious choice and I'll make an effort to be able to do that so sometimes that's that's almost like a uh, kicking the can down the road thing where you want it to be better in the future so you need to take the steps now and it's not directly it's indirectly so to a point you're kicking the the situation down the road because you want things to be better in the future by doing things now it's almost like a part of the iceberg that people don't see where mm-hmm. no one's going to see it you're taking the steps now so that in the future things will start to materialize and get better when you look back and think that's when it started similar to when you didn't make the cut and the coach stepped in to give you that extra push that was him probably doing that for you it was him thinking right if i give her the extra nudge and give her the jobs and give her the extra responsibilities keep her involved it might convince her to try again because he maybe saw something in you that you couldn't quite see in yourself most definitely i mean you bring up such a good point just around when you were talking it made me think about how you know with our clients we always talk about because a lot of times you think about the end result right and you think about oh my gosh i'm so far away how am i ever going to accomplish that i've got to do all of these things like there's just no way because it's huge you've made it so big in your head that you take no action because you you've made it so big in your head but if you just concentrate on that one percent improvement every single day right so you're kicking that can down the road just a little 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 bit every single day 1% improvement. So a lot of times at the end of the day, I mentioned it earlier, but it's part of my recap when I'm journaling. It's like, okay, well, what could I have done better today? What are some things that I could have done better? That's a part of that 1% improvement. Because once you recognize that you're like, okay, well then tomorrow I'm going to do this instead. That's 1%. And those 1% add up to massive, massive results and massive improvements and big things at the end of a given year. And you're not, but you're not focusing on that big leap. You're just focusing on the next step, that 1%. And that's what we have to do every single day in our life, 1%. You are in competition with no one but the person that you were yesterday. You're in competition with no one but yourself. So how can you be and show up just 1% better today than you were yesterday? Janine, that is one heck of a way to finish the very insightful conversation that we've just had. It's been fantastic. I really enjoyed having you as as a guest on the show. For those that want to find out more about you, where can they go? So sharing links and social media and anything that you want people to find out more about. Yeah, most definitely. Would love for you to connect with me, obviously. Um, So it's Janine with a G. So it's G as in Gerard, E-N as in Nancy, I-E-N-N-E with W-I-T-H-A-G. So you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as Janine Samuels, and then Sideline Prep. We are everywhere. (laughs) 
<laughs> so we have a YouTube channel. We also have obviously Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we also have a Sideline Prep Japan account as well on IG. So we have a lot of lovelies that we have helped um, from Japan come here to become, you know, professional cheerleaders for the NFL and NBA. So we would love for you all to connect with us. And if you're thinking about maybe becoming a professional cheerleader, you can also email us at info at sidelineprep.com. And that's for all of our women and men. So there are a lot of entertainment teams out there now that are accepting men applicants and candidates on their team. So we can help you um, as well. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Those that are listening, feel free to subscribe, share the show, tell others, and also leave a review wherever you are listening in to your podcasts. Janine, thanks so much for being a guest. I look forward to keeping in touch. Yes, likewise. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great one.